1935, the Lions win the NFL championship. The Detroit Tigers take the World Series. The Red Wings bring home Lord Stanley's Cup. Joe Lewis begins his rise to world domination. This transforms the Motor City into Detroit, city of champions. And we are off. Crack, off. Of, crack of the bat. How did I know you were going to say that? Uh, it's, I read it's, your mind. I gotta, We've been I gotta, broadcasting together I, for We so need long. a starter's can, pistol. Yeah. Well, the, I, the, the starter pistol sound. Yeah. And then we are on the blocks. Uh, ready to go. More of uh, Detroit City of Champions, the podcast. I'm Jamie Flanagan. Charles Avison. And uh, thank you for following us, uh, coming along for the ride. Uh, like, subscribe, collect, leave a comment. We truly appreciate uh, all those things that you do. Uh, on those, it's just following it. Really, is is, is pretty huge. Uh, yeah, we so. pr- like every like, every comment, every share, every and subscription then, we get. We really appreciate everybody. Yep. We like, we, we love you guys. Well, tell a friend. Yeah, tell a friend. We uh, reached. Uh, I just I didn't put the the little thing of over two thousand downloads. Yeah, that's no, that's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of fun. No, it's so awesome. It's thanks uh, to all those ears uh, on all those different episodes. So uh, truly appreciate it. We're at uh, uh, in the eighties. Well, we have a, we we're well aware that we have sort of a niche subject, yeah. you know, and so that's some, that's what I mean. Like we really, you know, we're, you know, you see people that the, like have sports shows that have like mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and stuff. We know right. we're a more of a niche subject, and we appreciate. Sure. I'm saying we appreciate all those who, who come with us on our little niche journey. You know, what I mean, with uh, we think I think the story is. Uh, I think it. I, I mean, we recognize that it's a niche subject, but I actually think that it does have sort of a, a wider appeal just because of the just because this this your this this the just the essence of the story is the greatest season that ever happened mm. has been completely forgotten. Oh yeah, That's and it's a- like as you know people you know like say we get you know I understand that there's like this concept of like oh it's a Detroit sports niche, but. But I mean, this is like I think that does have a little bit broader appeal. This is we're talking about the foundational era think, of but, sports. But the, these sports have reached so far out of yeah. Detroit. Joe Lewis, and you know, they, I mean, that's you know, something that seems and, to me. And, and so we're than, talking, now yeah. we're talking about you know Olympics and college yeah. college yeah. track and and all those things. And Walter I, Hagen was the story of golf itself. The yeah, Red Wings were the story of the NHL itself. I, I, I guess yes. what I mean is, I guess what I'm saying is, is that I, I recognize that we get sort of pigeonholed into the idea that we are just a niche subject. But it's but, not. But I think that yeah, so I think more. that I, I think so too. I think that we do have a, a broader. And it has the finest merchandise. Oh, our merchandise no is demand. ridiculous. I need to get. I need <laughs> to get jersey. some merch. I am like so happy how this hockey jersey turned out. Yeah. Says Detroit thirty five on the back, and I'm like, I just I've got thirty five on the sleeve. That jersey is I'm ridiculous. Loving, loving, loving those jerseys. And there's uh, all kinds of in the, the logo that Chris helped us uh, develop, and so uh, you guys, us, help you, Charles and Chris, develop this uh, the crest. Yeah, but is, you're the I one just, that's rocking the heck. I you're love, rocking love, the love this crap out of that thing, man. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, just uh, some great merch, and you can you can get it uh, yeah, at cityofchampions.com and, and then uh, uh, wearingfunny.com uh, is a place you can pick that stuff up if you dig this. Um, I'm pitching to get this on a, on a, on a beer case. Yeah, they had that uh, as you drive down I-75 on the Russell Industrial Complex place. Right there was a big mural of like a big mechanical lion type thing but it was red and it had red wings on it oh, really? and it was it had tiger stripes on it and it was on like a beer some beer company picked it up huh. and, and used it as part of their 
marketing for a while. Do you know the logo, the mural I'm talking about? No, I, I'm not. For, I haven't seen it. No, no. really? Yeah, I don't know. I, I maybe just haven't noticed it because I drive past there every once in a while. It's really faded right now. It's really, huh. it's really getting faded. Notice, yeah. It's gorgeous. It's. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of sad how faded it is. I, I hope somebody ref- refurbishes it. But I'm hoping that uh, we can get this logo on a. On a case of beer that's that'd be point. sweet so uh maybe we talked to the um eastern market brewing company they did you know the city of champions ipa maybe they want to do some kind of a thing with them this would be gorgeous yeah they got it they have I mean, there's an, that's the thing the eastern market level. brewing company you ever go to there they actually have a city of champions ipa and it's fr- freaking amazing we should uh license this to yeah, them you had it that one time didn't you mm, i thought you tried it one time i don't know no i'm not sure I, it's great it's Here, really good but like we said it's a it's a story of 1935 and uh, it, it was a different time. And uh, your books, you created the, the trilogy of books, and, and you sourced uh, just a ton of material and information from uh, the newspapers of the day, yeah. right? And that's, that was like one of your main sources was uh, you went through yeah. and just... And it's the, been a lot of our stuff, too. We try to get as much primary... The micro, the as, micro fiche. Yeah, as much primary information as we can, primary source. So, but you, uh, but uh, it was a different time. Mm-hmm. Slightly different language, uh, and I, I remember it came up when we were talking about Jack Johnson uh, and Joe Lewis. Yeah, uh, and there was some. And it's not because you get uh, today and things are so uh, people are some sometimes overly sensitive. Yeah, uh, and I'm overly insensitive. Yeah, well, we're, we're just presenting <laughs> so, the information as it's read off the articles. There's so. a couple of articles yeah. today, and there's a couple of words in the articles, and we're just going to read them as is. And and that yeah. that is that. Just are, I mean, it's yeah. We've you know we've had other work, times we've said stuff like this before, but it's I mean it's yeah. It's just the text of the day. We're reading so, right off you know in in the uh, is attempt it, to be accurate t- today. If if someone wrote that in the paper today, they'd be like, oh my gosh, that's like very culturally insensitive. That's you know, uh, but we're it's not an article today. It's an article from 1935, yeah, yeah. and we're reading it as a historical document. Yeah. So uh, we're 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 deep into the story today. We're yeah. we're. Ha- how many episodes are we doing? So Eddie Tolan, we did yeah. a, we did a sort of a um, primer episode last. You know that we just mm-hmm. did the we did the episode uh, part one of the Eddie. Did Tolan. you know he scored six touchdowns and yeah, that football was game. that's what he always said was his favorite his favorite achievement, I, I love his that. favorite accomplishment. Despite the I fact scored, that he's got like gold medals and I scored six yeah, touchdowns. Wins wins all. He's like the fastest. They say he was the fastest fastest man and fastest yeah, man alive. Nineteen twenty six when he yeah. was in Cass Tech High School. Yeah, I know that's there like that's like totally Al Bundyish. Where he's like, <laughs> he, they're like, what? So, what was your favorite moment of your entire racing yeah. career? And he's like, oh, you'd be surprised to know it wasn't a race at all. It was when I scored six touchdowns in a single game. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know he, he's awesome. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so, so we, we talked, we talked about, about his. This, we did like the sort of the sort of primer, you know, like the um, you know, all like. Uh, you know his athletic. You know everything he did in high school, everything he did in, in at, at University of Michigan. I mean, he's setting world records like every single year. Right. And then he goes to the Olympics. He's he has this dramatic race. Um, he has this uh, dramatic race against Ralph Metcalf, where mm-hmm. where it's like the, it's it's the photo finish. It's like the it's the first time that that video camera is used for that for like an instant replay, so to speak. To decide, and, so, and because they use that instant replay, that image of them both crossed the line at the exact same time, they both set the world record. But he actually won because his chest crossed the line before Ralph Metcalf. Yeah, and so that's what's crazy. Like they both finished the same the same race score, and they both set the world record. But he won, and Ralph Metcalf's like, "How does that work?" You well, know? now you'll see that, like in uh, in the Olympics, uh, skiers, uh, and they'll 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 kick the tip of their their ski, uh, yeah. like right when they get to the line. 
because it's, it's like whenever the line's broken, and sometimes the ski doesn't register unless they, they tip it out. Oh, really? And it comes in, so they get a good, you know, from the tip of their ski to them, yeah. lead. Makes uh, sense. And it, it like those hundred because it comes down to those hundredths the of a fraction second. of a hundredth, yeah. Yeah, so... So yeah, so, so we kind of did that primer for Eddie Tolan in, the, in part one. So we're gonna do a part two on Eddie Tolan, sort of wrap wrap him up, and then uh, for the next episode, I want to do one on I want to do a special episode on Willis Ward, oh. who is who is like sort of a, who is uh, he 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 wasn't this, he wasn't a, ni- a champion from 1935, but he's like I promised myself when I wrote when I did a um, when I did the books that if I ever had a chance to sort oh. of talk about Willis Ward that we were going to do it because he's be a lo- using up my airtime on on your pipe dreams. Too over bad, here. too bad. <laughs> so, so I'm interested. I know if, if you yeah, were Willis Ward is awesome. Uh, You're gonna there's love so him. many elements and side elements yeah. to this story that need to be told. That, Willis that Ward's just the boss. Not been told. yeah. Willis, Willis Ward. And that's is why a, we're doing this. I look forward. to Willis it. Ward. Yeah, Willis Ward. He, he like he occupies a there's like he's sort of a moment in time but I just it's want to very try to get that controversy moment. going get people fired up about the show if we yeah. are if we argue about shit yeah people will be like yeah oh my god Do yeah. you see him going at we're, it oh yeah we're supposed to be on the same we're, we're not supposed to be on the same page we're like, no you're wrong that's ridiculous um so yeah so we so yeah we're gonna be doing that so this so we're kind of wrapping about Tolan this week but uh there's some it's some kind of critical components to get in especially since you know we talked about all the stuff with the the high school the mm-hmm. college the yeah. Olympics, but it's but it leaves out what he did in '35 to make him part of the pantheon of champions right. that that one part of the city of champions season. Okay, and so um, so basically, like could say we we uh, we left off last week where he's coming back from the '32 Olympics. He's mm-hmm. like he's 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 called the 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 world's fastest human. He's the first black man to be named the world's fastest human. I believe it was the Associated Press that gave out that designation. Okay. And uh, so, so he comes back September sixth. We talked about this last last episode. September sixth, nineteen thirty two. He's greeted at the Michigan Central Station with this official welcoming committee. And in uh, September sixth, nineteen thirty two, is named Eddie Tolan Day, declared by the governor of Michigan, the Ooh. the mayor of Detroit. I mean, it's a big. You know, he's a big. He's a big name. It's a big mm-hmm. deal. And but the only so um, but there's this sort of uh, apocryphal story where where. Uh, uh, which reveals sort of like the the tone of the of the of the rest of this ep- of the rest of this story, which is that is so he's got all this excitement when he comes back to the Michigan Central Station, yeah. But despite all of the glory he's won, he looks over and sees his half brother uh, collecting garbage in the in the yard of the Michigan Central Station, mm-hmm. and is all the all the gl- you know glory and glam he's got at this moment. He wished that he was his brother. Wow! Because his brother had a job. Uh, like you're, you know, then that's where it kind of hits you in the reality of the Great Depression, where he's like, "I have been suffering. <laughs> like I have no money." Um, and you know, he's he's like, "My brother has a job. Like he'd rather have a job than than have like you know than he's he's actually jealous of his brother that his brother's got a job and he doesn't even have one." Wow! So and so it, it just reveals like you know here's this that's you know it, it gives you a, a a brief glimpse into the into that world which is like he's just trying he just wishes he had a job, mm-hmm. let alone these gold medals. So anyways. Um, and so that's, you know, like I say, that sets like the sort of foundation of what's to come, which is that, uh, you know, he's basically in search of work at, when he gets home from the, from the Olympics. He's wants to, you know, there's no, there's no endorsements that come his way. Nobody yeah. wants to hire him for any type of endorsements. Um, and he's and the other thing too, you know, he'd graduated from U of M. I don't have the information as far as what he graduated with, 
but it's but every all these different sources say that he uh, he wanted to be a physician, but he needed sort of more schooling to do that. Like he had graduated, so it indicates that he had maybe you know he had had uh, you know at least a base layer of sure. studies that went were heading towards being a physician, you know, a doctor of some method, but he didn't have the sort of full credentials that would have allowed him to go full full money into that profession. Right. And so he, I guess you know, you see, he's kind of like, and, and then the, to add to that. He had his family. Uh, he he he's his mother. Like they, she didn't have a job. Like he needed. They you know, like he basically had to. He had a, he felt a responsibility to help take care of his family, and he was needed money to do that. So he needed sort of immediate cash, mm-hmm. and so that's and so you can you know that kind of shows why why he's like I wish I was my brother who at least had a job because yeah. I could start making money, and so um, so as a result he he has. Uh, um, uh, so he gets. So he at one point in, in over the uh, over the win, over the sort of the going into 1932, like the winter of 32. So he uh, he gets a, a an opportunity to work with Bill Bojangles Robinson oh. to do some vaudeville. Okay, um, to do some vaudeville. <laughs> All right. Because so it, it's an interesting little note here that um, that whereas uh, Eddie Tolan was the fastest man you know the fastest man right mm-hmm. where so Robinson had this bizarre world record that he said in 1922 he set the world's record for running backwards and it was said this is this is i mean this is said said in numerous places that it was said that uh, that he his, that he set the record of running backwards a 100 yard dash in 13.5 seconds running backwards like uh, that seems like ridiculously fast yes. for running backwards. I don't know how that's, I, but then they say the record stood till 1977. Wow! Somebody else broke that record when that broke the record got broken with a 13.3 seconds. But like, do we want to bring up uh, running Robinson, backwards? Bob, yeah, Robinson? yeah, we can bring it up. All right. And so I just want, yeah, I just want to kind of give a little bit of uh, visibility as far as who, uh, you know. Bill Bojangles Robinson was right, right. he you know we've got uh, a picture he was like he, his name is popping up you know he's with Joe Lewis we got a picture of him with Joe Lewis mm-hmm. we got a picture of him with Shirley Temple right right I remember, yeah I remember him from yeah he's those a, movies yeah, yeah he's the best known and highest paid African American entertainer oh. in the in the first half of the 20th century he's a, a huge figure at this time and so he's you know he anytime there's a celebrity there's a you know I was looking for a picture of him with Eddie Tolan but I didn't see one right but he performed um with uh you know with him and um just a little disclaimer I actually threw in that picture of of uh him and Shirley Temple because I never miss an opportunity to put a picture whenever Shirley Temple comes up for something I I have a picture of Shirley Temple in my book because I edited my timeline for like all the events of like there's like a timeline of stuff that happened in 34 and 35. I like I wanted to did a time. Is what I did was I put in uh, some other sort of cultural references for stuff that was happening at that time, so you get a framework, you know, a context for when these events happened. So like I have like the first Three Stooges short came out in 1934, uh-huh. and then there's you know other stuff, you know, like the rise of Adolf Hitler and stuff like this. Like there was the Night of the Long Knives, whatever. There's some political stuff in there too. But anyways, there was like Shirley Temple's first movie came out, and I was like, so I have to put a picture of Shirley Temple, right? Oh, because yeah. I'm telling you, man, like I, I don't know like how how uh, macho it is to say this on a sports channel, but like I'm the one, like I'm a huge Shirley Temple fan. Dude. <laughs> no, I love. It. Oh I, yeah, Shirley Temple. Growing up, man, it, it was like you know the Bill Kennedy uh, after school movie. There, yeah, he he play those Rita Bell's Shirley Temple was like if you've never seen a Shirley Temple movie, like. Just go check one out because, like, dude, you're 
it's like it's like watching Pollyanna or something, dude. You just can't help like she's just such a just she's just such a fun and happy person. You yeah. just feel like you kind of feel like especially in these kind of dark world we live in today, like yeah. you know, like you see Shirley Temple singing and dancing or whatever and um yeah, it's uh it might brighten up your your outlook a little bit or something. I don't know, but um but I've always liked Shirley Temple. I always thought she was just such a, such a she's like so young and she was such an incredible dancer and stuff, you know, she was just so cool. So so I never so that's the thing is so that just for future reference for anything going forward, <clears throat> any of our listeners that are watching that, if there's ever any um, opportunity to throw in a picture of Shirley Temple and to, and to, to say, you know, to kind of uh, profess my my sort of admiration of my my fandom for sure, being a Shirley sure. Temple fan. All right, it's rest assured there. that it will not be missed. That opportunity will not be missed. So there was there was Bill, you know, Bill Robinson was dancing with Shirley Temple, and I was he's like, you know, I was like, okay, he's going in the she's going in the slides. All so, right, so that's like our signature thing. Especially if you're a Shirley Temple fan too, you can appreciate it. <laughs> So, so anyways, that's, so that's Bill Robinson, Bill yeah. Bojangles Robinson. And so, so I got a little article here. We got a, like just a few, uh, we got three different articles to kind of go through. And one mm-hmm. of them, one of them, cause it, it fills in a little bit of the gaps. Like I can sit here and just rattle off like, you know, the, this, this, you know, Eddie Tolan did this and Eddie Tolan did, Tolan did that. But it's, I think it's a little better if we, you know, to read some of the context, the article, sure. um, just to kind of, you know, a couple of little short articles here. Sure. So this article, um, this this is an article that came out so as we mentioned. So the timeline, of course, September 6, nineteen thirty two. That's like sort of the pinnacle of Eddie Tolan, you know, with glory. He gets that's the official um, Eddie Tolan day. So September six, nineteen thirty two. This article comes out uh, November eighth, or I'm sorry, November twenty eighth, nineteen thirty two. So just a few months after this, and this is a New York Times article, and so. Um, this kind of it talks a little bit, you know, dives in a little bit more about what we were just saying there about you know his situation at this moment. So the article header is, uh, and I and, the, and I just want to say this is courtesy. There's a guy, there's a website called SamuelHawley.com, mm-hmm. and it, this is where I source this article from. He's got some great stuff on there. He's he's got some he's got some books, some 1930s stuff, All right. and he's got he had this article pre- featured prominently, and you know it's a New York Times article. He hunted it down, so I wanted to give him credit. So SamuelHawley.com. Um, so anyways, uh, again, so the title of the article, Tolan, Olympic star, appears in vaudeville to help family and finance study of medicine. So here's the article. So Eddie Tolan, the Michigan Negro youth who won the 100-meter and 200-meter dashes in last summer's Olympics, has been working for the last month as a vaudeville actor. He turned in his amateur card, got a job with a, a unit under Bill Robinson, and since has been, has been appearing on the stage. He had two reasons for doing this. He is virtually the sole support of his mother and and several brothers and sisters in Detroit, and he wants to earn enough to enable him to continue his study of medicine. Eddie himself could not be reached yesterday. He lives very quietly up in Harlem, attending to his job. His manager, Morty Forkins, who has an office in the Palace Building, is proud of him. He said the latest holder of the world's fastest human title is studious, appealing, and an attraction on any stage. Mr. Forkins is working on several ideas for Eddie's immediate future. Tolan's contribution to the act is a brief lecture. He comes out and explains how he won the races and describes some of them. Mr. Torkins believes Tolan could make some excellent movie shorts. He explained that Eddie has been very popular in his vaudeville tour. Young people and others interested in athletics naturally consider him a major star. Mr. Forkins explained that Tolan knows that his vaudeville time is perhaps limited. The Olympics will be pretty well forgotten by spring. His idea is to make what he can now to help out his family and then continue his education. It was his it was his mother who managed to send him through the University of Michigan. During much of the time, she was the family's sole support. 
while he while he was a student at Michigan, Tolan won races all over the country and abroad, gathering several cabinets of cups and medals. After winning his Olympic titles, he was welcomed home to Detroit with an official reception. Hmm. So you can see it from the article. You know, a couple of the interesting things here is so um, that so he you can see right here that uh, see I was under the assumption that when that he that you know he because this he, they're talking right here that he's about to lose his amateur card. He's yeah. not going to be an amateur. And I was under my my assumption, like, is that like the way that it's kind of portrayed when you read a lot of other stuff, mm-hmm. is that um, that he was like just did vaudeville and then just he got his his, his amateur card stripped by the you know Michigan Amateur Association, like it's almost almost like it was sort of a Jim Thorpe situation where it was like a surprise to him or something. Yeah. He's like, oh my god, I lost my card, yeah. you know, just for doing a couple little vaudeville acts. Well, in this article, I mean, he's talking about it. Um, you know, he he's he's talking about it as though he knew that that was what was going to happen like mm-hmm. i know if i perform and i act out my role as a you know if i do anything that re- you know revolves around making money for be- for for what i did in athletics for, you know for track and field that i'm not going to be that i'm going to be a professional now i'm going to be graded as a professional yeah. so that's kind of the main takeaway i think from this article is that it talks about or one of the main takeaways is that he's um that he that he's he's like i turned he turned in his his amateur card in order to do that and then also that he, you know, you see that, you know, he's he's talking about how his mom was like the sole support of him while he was running, and you could so you can kind of see why he feels obliged to get work to support her now. Yeah, heck yeah. Yep. So, um, so I thought that was a, you know, it it kind of dives a little bit deeper than than just kind of spitting it out on a, you know, on a, on a note notebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to take care of mom. Yep. So it's uh, it's a good lad for sure. Yep. So that was um. So that was the first article, and then, uh, so this is, uh, so this is, uh, so this I have one another article that sort of like piggybacks on that one, and so this was, um, so this is shortly thereafter. This the last one was November twenty eighth, nineteen thirty two, and this one is January twenty fourth, nineteen thirty three. Okay, and so um, by this point, he's actually he's actually found a job, um, just but it's a clerk. He's working as a clerk in this office building. It's like. Like he would never get anything, any kind of superpower job. Like he's, yeah. I mean, he's just he's found a job now, but it's it's nothing of any fastest man alive here. Run these papers upstairs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, you 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 think that that guy? You don't think that that joke somehow made it? You know, that he was subject to some jokes like that yeah. at some point. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, again, so this article came off of that SamuelHawley.com, and uh, so, anyways, um. Uh, so this is again. This is another New York Times article, January twenty fourth, nineteen thirty three, and uh, and so the article is titled "Tolan Ponders Futility of Fame After mm. His Long Search for a Job." All right. So, um, so it says uh, Olympic sprint champion, once idol, once idol of a city and state, new now a filing clerk, sees dreams. Seems dream, dreams of a career in medicine waning. Dispirited, he vows never to run again. So this is so this is New York Times. It, well, it actually says Associated Press, but the either way. This so anyways. Uh, so um, I'll just fire off into it. So uh, Detroit, January twenty third. For for bespectacled little Eddie Tolan, whose short legs swept him to triumph, the sprint king of the nineteen thirty two Olympics, of the nineteen thirty two Olympiad. The heady the heady wins. The, I'm sorry, the heady wine of victory has turned overnight into vinegar. Mm. Eddie Tolan, the, the speed flash, will never race again. One whole wall in, in Tolan's room is covered with gold and silver medals. Tables and cases are piled with trophies. The Olympic insignia hangs from a spun wire. 
Governors and mayors have issued proclamations. Committees have presented scrolls and orders have extolled Eddie Tolan's sportsmanship and prowess. Michigan had an Eddie Tolan day by official proclamation. And yet, I don't think anything could induce me to run again, says Tolan, the Negro sprinter whose 100- and 200-meter victories in the Olympic Games brought a mass stadium to its feet. Eddie isn't complaining, but he believes that fame such as he earned is futile. Two weeks ago, he got a job. He is a filing clerk in a county office here. His lifetime hope and dream of becoming a great physician is waning, for he has been unable to make enough to support himself and his parents, also unemployed for many months, or to, com- or to complete his education. Between the time Tolan returned to Detroit from Los Angeles to receive a hero's welcome and the day he got the job as a filing clerk, he walked the streets of many cities seeking work. In desperation, and as he, he turned... In desperation, he turned in his amateur card and appeared in vaudeville with Bill Robinson, the Negro dancer. His appearance was brief, and he returned to Detroit. On the day that Eddie arrived in Detroit from the Olympic Games, he, he to be met by a band and a welcoming committee, his half-brother Fred was collecting waste paper in the grass of the park in front of the railroad station. Eddie regarded the half-brother as luckier than I am. He had a job. Mm. reached so uh, four years of academic education at the University of, uh, University of Michigan, where he rose to stardom in track competition, were completed when Tolan went to the Olympic Games. He hoped at that time that he would continue towards his medical degree. I want so much to see our name head the list when, when the result is announced, he wrote his mother four days before the first heat of the 100-meter race, for I know that if I can win the two dash events, our worries will be lessened and some brightness will return to our lives. So he won the two big events, and his name went around the world, but he didn't get a job. I haven't any complaints, said Eddie. I just don't think I'll ever run again. I'm sticking to my job. But his friends say that Eddie Tolan, the boy who brought back to the United States her sprint championships, most coveted of all track titles, is asking himself these days, what price glory? Mm. So you can see, he, you know, it was he said in the article, it was out of desperation that he was like, I mean, look at think about that choice there you got in front of you. You're like, just <clears throat> you need you need to make some money, and you're like, I'm gonna cash in my amateur card. I can never run race in the Olympics again. I can never do any kind of a, you know, Olymp- you know, any kind of track and field stuff again. Right. You know, I'm, it's over. You know, I'm trying to make a couple bucks doing vaudeville, and the vaudeville thing. You know, they should, for a short time work. You know, I mean, yeah. it's you can see well, you know, the kind of desperation that there was. So, um, so yeah, so that's, you know, it's, it, you know, that's where sort of Eddie's finding himself. Um, you know, this is January, 1933. Um, so 33 and so 34 go by and, you know, you can see right there, they're talking about, well, this is the end of his career, right? Well, we wouldn't be talking about him if he didn't, <laughs> if he didn't have a championship at 35. Right. So, uh, so where did this come from? Maybe not the end. <laughs> maybe spoiler not. Alert. Spoiler alert. It's, uh, well, it's not whatever if we're about to talk about it. You're right, like, right. that's like the core of the issue. So, um, so it's not necessarily a spoiler alert. We're, it's right. a, it's, we're uh, presaging the future. We're about to, you know, the. Um, it's we're alluding to what the, what is about to be spoken of. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, so anyways, there. So lo and behold, I th- there's a there's a national sprint. There's a professional sprint championship in Australia. Oh, okay. And it's I get I, the way that I read this thing. That this I'm not sure even if it's around anymore, but I think the way that was what was going down was that Australia was looking for something to be like an international, like to to make themselves like the spot internationally for something you know what i mean like they wanted to be the something the best you know like the the you know the home of you know like whereas britain was the golf home you know and, yeah 
I think they're like, you know, we can be the we can be the sprint home or something. It's so anyways, so they so they they were they they were huge in the track and field. I don't know if or maybe they just had a natural interest in track and field or something. But in either case, there was a professional sprint championship in Australia in 1935 and it was a it was the World Championship Sprint Championship, All right. okay? So Eddie Tolan goes. I know, I know just the guy. Yeah, we know just the guy. <laughs> so Eddie Tolan. So March thirteenth, nineteen thirty-five is the is the is the you know the final day for this uh, world world pro sprint championship. And I've got the actual article from the day of the race. Mm. And so I, I just I was fascinated with it because I'd never read this. And again, this is come This is you know just as the internet moves forward. It's you know I finished my third book in two thousand fourteen. So this is that's you know that's an infinity ago. It was eight years ago, yeah. you know. And so since that time, there's been so much so much information dump online, people putting out websites, you know, different stuff for their. Sure. So this is so this is off of a, uh, um, this so this is off of a uh, website. So it's a WordPress account. So the it's this is uh, thefunkyrunner.wordpress.com. So he's he's probably got all kinds of running, racing, and track and field stuff. So. So if so, so we want to thank Funky Runner and anybody that uh, would go go visit his site would be you know be cool you know I appreciate his, his document documenting this stuff and finding these articles because this is a, this talk about a niche a niche subject this is about as niche as you get yeah um, but it is, but it's fascinating it's a full article of um you know of of this of the 1935 sprint championship it kind of summarizes these races with Eddie Tolan at the center. And I don't have a, a, um, <clears throat> a source for the actual article itself. It doesn't say that, but it. Do, but I do have the writer, and the writer's name is H O Balf or uh, Balf H H O and then B A L F E. So H O Balf was the writer for this article. Um. So anyway, so I'll just I'll read the full article because uh, you know it, uh, it tells the story of you know this. Ed, this is Eddie Tolan's signature claim in 1935 was winning. So he's you know, spoiler. This is a spoiler. He wins the championship in this race. <laughs> okay. So uh, <clears throat> so there is a new professional sprint running champion of the world. Eddie Tolan, scion of African Negro stock, long settled in America, has captured the title from the Australian holder Austin Robertson of Melbourne, who won it in 1933 and held it previously in 1930. At the end of this month, Tolan will return to his hometown, Detroit, USA, with 500 pounds in his pocket and the distinction of being the first athlete to hold an Olympic sprint championship, the apex of amateur, of, of amateur endeavor and a world's professional champion at this championship at the same time. The title went to Tolan when, in the presence of a crowd of 20,000 people at the Exhibition Oval, Melbourne, last Wednesday evening, he dashed first across the line in the concluding event of the series the two 220 yards with Robertson, Roberts, and McFarlane in desperate but vain pursuit. In this race, Tolan won by six yards after an exhibition of furlong running that has never previously been equaled at a professional sports gathering in Australia. At the first of the two championship meetings a week before, Tolan had won the 75 yards dash by a half yard from Austin Robertson and Tom Roberts in seven and a half seconds. The same night, Tolan took the 100-yard test with Robertson and Roberts only inches behind him in the places in in nine and three quarter seconds. In each of those uh, the, the in each of those events, Tolan performance was all that might have been expected from an Olympic champion. But for sheer brilliance, to- today's run in the 220 yards transcended anything he has done during his three months in Australia. And so the so the follow the, the headline for this a wonder run. Despite the fact that for three days he had been suffering from influenza, Tolan literally made hacks of the field. And at and the time in which he covered the 220 yards, <clears throat> 21 and a half seconds on a rather crude cinder track that was only three yards worse 
worse than that which he won the 200 meters Olympic championship three years ago on a track described as the fastest on which men have ever run and equaled the world's record for a professional runner. Running what will be admitted by all who knew, know him to be the greatest race in his splendid career, Robertson won the 130 yards in the last three strides from Tom Roberts, who was only inches behind at the tape, with Tolan not a quarter of a yard behind in third place. The time for this event, 12, 12 6 out of 16 seconds, was is equal to 6 and a quarter yards better than even time, provides all the evidence necessary of the pace at which the 130 uh, yards was covered. I said in the referee last week that the Australians would show to best advantage over the Sheffield distance to which they are thoroughly accustomed, and Tolan is not, and so it proved. Tom Roberts was the pacemaker to within 30 yards of the line, and there can be no doubt but that the tremendous effort of Tolan had to make to keep at Roberts' shoulder as he did caused him to falter when the time came for the finishing kick. Roberts was then moving at his fastest, and the crowd was acclaiming him the victor when Robertson came thundering around like a charging warhorse and hurtled through the tape to win magnificently. Mm. It was a finish that transported the crowd to the seventh heaven of delight. Okay, this is one of the things I wanted to read about this article. I wasn't I wasn't going to read this whole thing, sure. except for the fact that it, it gets it like the way that it, this once again brings out this 1930s flourish yeah. with like the poetic yeah, words yeah, and i yeah. think this last bit is where the first bit is like uh, there's a bunch of like 62 seconds and all this different stuff is a little bit kind of run on but um so anyways this is where this is where it gets good because tolan basically has to win this final race to win the professional shrimp championship and this is where they're gonna it's gonna be like the, the, the crescendo of, of, of amazing right. it was reached this last night this is the last like sort of like the flourish here so could Robertson repeat the, that glorious victor when he met Tolan and the others in the 220 yards? That was the sole question engrossing the attention of the huge assemblage in the hour that elapsed between the two races. The air was electric with excitement. The nerves of everybody was tense to their limit. Coolest of all were the men on whose speed and courage anticipation fed. I saw the four champions in their dressing rooms half an hour before they were due on the track for the final race of the series. They were resting on their tables and chatted unconcernedly. Tolan chuckled when I asked him what happened in, in the 130-yard test. It was just too bad, he said. Those fellows were too fast for me. With one more race to be run, Tolan had a total of 11 championship points. Austin Robertson had eight, Tom Roberts five. And McFarlane, who had finished fourth in the three attempts to that stage, had not a point to his credit. Robertson could retain his championship if he won the 220 yards and Tolan, if, and, and Tolan were beaten into third place. But, but that if was not destined to, be, to materialize into fact. The draw for position at the 220 yards start, start struck the first at, Austra at Australia's hopes. The 220 yards was run on the cinder track used for motorcycle racing. Careful rolling and watering had packed the surface down firmly, and that track, through though rough and somewhat uneven in places, was fast. The contestants ran in lanes and at the start, and as usual, was staggered. Tolan drew the inside running, which was the best possible position for a short, fast-striding sprinter, as he is, on a track with that was semicircular. McFarlane was number in the number two lane, Roberts next, and Robertson on the outside. Well, it was a revelation, the way Tolan jumped into his stride. In his other races, fast starter though he is, the American had nothing on, on Tom Roberts and indeed had been led in the early stages. But in the 220 yards, he was flying, right from the gun. At 60 yards, he had gathered up McFarlane and passed him. Roberts was disposed of inside 120 yards, but Robertson was, uh, was a different proposition. Tearing along on the outside, Robertson was fighting tremendously hard to keep Tolan off, but the speed of the little ne Negro was steadily wearing down the big Australian, and as they rounded the turn into the straight, Tolan drew level. For a brief space, Robertson and Tolan were level, but their run home was an absolute triumph for Tolan. 
who went right away from Robertson and won by six yards. Roberts, who finished strong, it was half a yard behind Robertson and McFarlane, who was last two yards further back. So ended the World's Professional Championship Series of 1935. All that remains to be said is that the is that the uh, Mar Mar Beer Nong Running Company achieved the success they richly deserved with three remarkably successful meetings of which aggregate attendance of 50,000 people was proof and to spare of the popularity of professional foot running in Victoria. So that's, yeah, Tolan winning the race. But, it, like, dude, the, like the, I love the thing is about it is that the final where they're talking about the race being run. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, <laughs> like, they go into detail. He's like, He's like he was fading first, and then he dropped back, and then he came forward, and then he like finished off. Strong. I was excited. Like, it was a calm horse know, race. I know it really it is, but he's like, um, it's it, I don't know. It's just funny because like it's 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 interesting to me how like people that are tuned into a sport, yeah, can see that. You know what I mean? And they, like, cause it, it, this is a freaking fairly. This is one of the longest articles we've ever read, really. And he's like describing like there's so much information packed into this thing about this race. Mm. And me, who is a total <clears throat> like a novice at, at this, this is not the you know one of my sure. sports I follow or anything. But it's like if I was watching, I'd just be like you know watching him run the race. You know what I mean? Like whoever got to the end is what mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, you know. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if I could report on it. Like this dude is like, you should have seen it. Like this guy, the like, nuances, he, yeah. the new the, exactly the nuances. This guy is just like tuned in, man. Mm-hmm. Like this guy's like, man, this was the greatest thing. Like it was the great. You know, they, they said there's fifty thousand people there. That's a um. That's what I'm saying. They're trying. Maybe that's there's something to it. Maybe Australia yeah. was a big, you know, a, a foot race. Maybe it still is. I, I'm not sure. I didn't dive that deep into it. So anyway, so there we have it. So Eddie Tolan, um, 1935 Sprint Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, add that trophy to the to the mantle of, uh, you know, there's the, you got the picture up on screen I with do, the, Eddie yeah, Tolan. That's, so he's wearing the sash. That's the yeah. Australian Sprint Championship sash. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So Eddie. this. Yeah, Eddie. yeah. So we got the world's fastest man. You know, add that to the add that to the. You know, anytime anybody wants to say what season, you know, oh, you know, was that really the greatest season of all time? It's like, okay, well, you know, let's who do you got to put up against the Tigers, Lions, Red Wings? Right? right? Okay, great. Let's say a team, a city wins three championships. Okay, you want to match even up with those? Okay, great. Who are you going to put up against Joe Lewis? Right? Who are you gonna put up against Gar Wood? No. Who yeah. are you getting like? Who you know? Right there, it's already over. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And then once you want to keep going on the line, the next one up is okay. Let's say you do somehow miraculously match every one of those. Next up is the world's fastest man, the world's <laughs> fastest human. Right? You know, are, are you willing to? T- are you willing to? If if we needed Eddie Tolan to come up, yeah. and give us a race, you know, peak Eddie Tolan, <laughs> you know, nineteen thirty five Eddie Tolan, you're gonna go. Okay, Eddie, we need you to win a race for us. You know, would it's, you would you trust the City of Champions mantle put it in Eddie Tolan, Tolan's oh, yeah. hands? Right. That's what so, I'm saying. Like, who are you gonna put up against Eddie Tolan? I, I it, the, the photos of him, he's not what you you envision a, a sprinter. Not at all. He's stockier. He yeah. seems shorter. Shorter legs. You've never seen a sprinter that short. Yeah. And he's just it's it's uh, miraculous yeah. how uh, he was able to just pull in those those numbers. Yeah, and he's got he also Those times. He also wore glasses. Yeah. He had, and they, they they he said they they taped the glasses to his head. He uh. ran with those with those black horn rim glasses on. Uh. So he taped them to his head. Uh, I love him. Yeah, he has a he has a he always had a knee wrap on, so you could always tell in the pictures whatever wherever he's racing is what you yeah. know with the knee wrap on. Um but that's but I'm just saying like 
okay, you've gotten through the Tigers, Lions, Red Wings. You've matched up against them. You've matched up against Joe Lewis. You even have a minor league hockey team win in the same season as your major league team. Great, right? You somehow found a speedboat racer who could beat Gar Wood, which would never happen. No. <laughs> never happen. No. Right? And then so, so somehow you got past you got past the big five, you know, yeah. the big the, the big sluggers. Somehow you get past them, and now you got to go up against Eddie Tolan. Yeah. That's, who, that's who we're bringing to the table next. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got to be deep. <laughs> you got to have a deep bench of champions deep. to start to even begin. That's what I'm saying. When I say this is the greatest season oh. in the in American sport history, that's, like this, like that's that's the men, that's the mindset. If you're going to say this is not the greatest season in American mm-hmm. sport history, and like you, and I'm actually being conservative. Because I mean, I may I, you could make the case very easily that this is the greatest season in the history of the world. Sure. Because because here's the thing: by making that statement, like, do you have a counterpoint? Like, do you, was there a Roman season of some type that had a success of this level? You, or it doesn't even have to be all the same sports, but yeah. just the the quantity and the quality yes, exactly of performances exactly. So like this, I'm saying, going down the list. You know, if you like, what other city could match up no. sport for sport, or, or not even sport for sport, but like as you say, just just achievement for achievement. It was the entire uh, British Navy yeah. and the whole British Empire yeah. trying to beat Garwood. Yeah, the, and they the, couldn't. The admirals, yeah, the entire British, you know, yeah, exactly. They had the British <laughs> Navy, the British Admiralty. They had the richest people in the world. You know, <laughs> dumping money into these like yeah, these uh, airplane heroes. You know, trying to beat Garwood. That was never gonna. You're happen. never gonna beat Garwood, man. No. That's what I'm saying. Even if by some miracle they did, the next, you know, like you say, you, you got uh, Garwood, and then you got we forgot about Hagen. Who you got? Yeah. We got Hagen. Oh my god. <laughs> you're like, okay, now it's time for golf. We're like, All who right. you guys got? We're like, we're like, we got this. Well, guy, golf's like, our sport, not anymore. Yeah, well, we got Walter <laughs> Hagen. We'll bring Hagen to the mix, you know. Yeah. And then after Hagen, we got freaking Eddie Tolan. Yep. Get up on the blocks against Eddie Tolan, right? Oh. I'm trusting Eddie's going to pull. They're like, okay, Eddie, we need you. This other city's matched us up sports for sport with every other championship. We need you to win this race, you know? I, got, I have a I feeling got, he's got, pulling it out for I us. I got faith in Eddie. <laughs> Me too, I got man. faith in Eddie. That's what, that's what it comes down to. That's what we're trying to get at here is, mm. you know, one of the, the things we're trying to get at is this idea of just of the overall goal, which is to say this is the greatest season to ever happen in the history of American sport, right? And in in like, how do you determine like the greatest of something or other? You, I mean, we're doing it. We're saying yeah. like, we're we're listing off to you what you know what other season could you match up accomplishment for accomplishment in the field of athletics? No, none, no. none. Yeah, I mean, where are you going to, you know, somebody's, oh, well, we got a great highlight team. Well, good for you. Yeah, good. That's not matching up with these. Yeah, it's not, you know, like every one of these things like changed, you know, changed sport. The landscape of the sports they were involved with. Yeah, 100%. So it's, uh, yeah, Eddie's And Eddie Tolan did too because if you see, if the next slide we have, the final slide, this is a picture. So, So was this Australia run was that a professional run yeah this was a professional that's the thing so is that's because it, what, what he did the vaudeville and then doing this and that took him out of yeah because it's like could, why is jesse owens jesse owens yes and why isn't eddie tolan jesse Owens? that was my original question when i came across you know. him like was he not good enough to face against jesse owens yeah. and it's like that wasn't that it never happened because i mean jesse owens was at this time running for ohio state and so we got a great picture up here on the screen. This is a fair, this is a famous photo. You see this if you actually if you look it up, you'll see it you know quite frequently. I have yeah. a, I have a different variation of this in my book, but this is three of the greatest 
runners of the 1930s mm. and uh, you know, in, in black runners specifically. Um, in this photo, we have um, Eddie Tolan at, the, on the, at left. In the center, we have Willis Ward, who we, we're going to do an epi- special episode next week. Oh, okay, cool. Or next episode. And then also yeah. uh, in Jesse Owens is on the right. And so like, you can see, like, you know, and so there's a, so I, I have a, this great quote. This quote comes from, uh, I've, I've sort of heard this before, but um, I actually have a, I'm going to reference it here with the hour. So, Our Detroit, there's an article by uh, uh, George Bulanda yeah. from January 7th, uh, 2015. And the title of the article is Unlikely Sprinter. And in this, he he refers to, um, in what, because Eddie Tolan died uh, on January 31st, 1967. Mm um that's well that's uh that's that's when this and so in the obituary which came out in jet magazine um and this is the guy he hits his i credit him for putting this in here that's why i got this sort of information uh, jesse owens said this and this is from jesse owens when i was when i was in high school excuse me when i was in high school eddie and ralph metcalf were my idols Eddie and I later became close friends. I used to live in Detroit, and every time I'd go back, Eddie was one of the, la- the was one of the first ones I'd look up. So you can see by the picture, and also from this article. Well, and if you Jet- look at, you look at this picture, you say, "All right, in this picture, one of these men is the fastest man alive at this time." Yeah, and uh, you probably wouldn't pick Eddie, but at this time, he was. Yeah, exactly. But it, you can these see these guys still had. But you can their see chances that, coming, and you can see the look on the on Jesse Owens and also Willis Ward's the face. admiration. Yeah, they're looking at him like, man, we're posing with Eddie Tolan. Yeah, you know, and so it's you know he's got a suit on. He's not even you know he doesn't even look like he's even gonna about to run or anything. Yeah. But they're both looking at him, and this has got to be this is probably um, this is this is probably thirty five. This is probably thirty four, thirty. I mean, this is it might be maybe nineteen thirty four because that's right about when Jesse Owens and them and uh, Willis were running for Ohio State and Michigan. Right, but. Um, and those two guys are you know going to race against each other, Willis Ward and, okay. and Jesse Owens. Like that's what I'm saying. Like <clears throat> Willis Ward, we're talking about. Well, why didn't you know? How you know? How come Eddie Tolan doesn't fit into the Jesse Owens story as like a direct competition? Yeah. Well, Willis Ward does. Okay. Like Willis Ward was like the U of M's version of like he was like U of M's Jesse Owens. Like he mm. was he was he was like racing and beating Jesse Owens. And he was a he's also a football star. Mm, so yeah. you know U of M football, like he helped them win national championships. I mean, the guy was a stud. And so we're going to get into his story next week. But but I just I just you know it's just interesting because you're like you know like you're just standing there, um, you know how these guys impacted the sports they're in. You know it, whenever you have whenever you have somebody that's like a hero or somebody to look up to. Jesse Owens even said his own words. You know so when I was in high school, Eddie and Ralph Metcalf were my idols. They were his idols. That's who he looked up to. Wow, you know, and he's got it. And then the fact that he was like, you know, on the track, you know, he's, a, he's becoming a track star. And here's Eddie Tolan coming out there to meet him. And mm-hmm. hey, Eddie Tolan, you know, maybe I'd be giddy as a schoolboy. Yeah, that's his. So that's that's what he's saying. Like, yeah. um, you know, he his there was an idol in his midst. There was a you know a champion in his midst. So, um, yeah. So that you know, this is uh, Eddie. You know, he was he was not insignificant. And his name is not sort of his well-known as some of these other people that we talk about um it's you know it's certainly worth um you know giving him his you know his you know, bringing his name back for the I, show. Was, I was so excited to get to this part of of the story because like i said i know nothing about nothing about nothing about sports i have some familiarity with the big three uh but then these guys i, I know nothing about any of this and, well, and I didn't I'm just, know either. I'm so excited to to dive into the rest of these and and, and yeah. Well, I'm just saying is like thanks I was, for sharing Eddie's story today. Yeah, but this here's the thing is is that this, Jamie, well, I didn't I didn't know anything either. Yeah. I didn't know nothing about nothing either. There was a point in time when I was like say 
I when I was a senior at Western in 2005. Yep. I came across this subject. I didn't even know what year the Tigers had won their first championship. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. And that's I what, constantly that's what, say that to people. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but like yeah. I didn't even know when the Tiger. Like we, I, we looked it up in this old Detroit Tiger media guide because I didn't even know that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like this is not something like, th- and this is I think that's an important component to, for people to understand is one of the biggest difficulties I've had with bringing this story back is dealing with. Is, is dealing with um, I don't want I don't know if, you, if the right word is egos or pride right. or whatever because Detroit sports there a lot of people this is like a, a part of their identity oh yeah. you know like like what do you do what are you interested in Detroit sports I'm the biggest Tiger fan I'm the biggest Lions fan I'm the mm, biggest Red mm-hmm, Wings fan mm-hmm. whatever right I follow every game I read all the stuff I'm all this right <clears throat> and then all of a sudden somebody says did you know that the three your three favorite teams all won their first championships in the same season, Ugh. which is the most basic, simple fact of all time in in, in all of sports. Amazing, like, like the, and you don't even have to be a sports fan to understand how incredible that is. Or even once you once that is known for you to, it's an easy fact. You know, it's a it's a great fact. Like if you're at a some random wine party or whatever, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you're you're somebody that doesn't give a crap about sports, but you heard about this. Two cities have <laughs> come close. Yeah. Oh, there's been several. Yeah. They've there's come been very close. two where they've been close, where they've been in the playoffs, but they haven't. We had all we had the Boston get to the seventh game recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Florida had. Uh, yeah. And then the Patriots were eighteen and zero going to the Super Bowl, and they lost the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that was <laughs> that was when I was doing my first book. But anyways, um, but what I'm saying is, is that. One of the most difficult things I believe that I've had to overcome that for this entire project for getting to for making for getting this thing out there so that it's wide you know wider known it's like getting newspaper articles written or getting you know this story picked up like whenever there's somebody talking about it like yeah. you know on, on a different on a, in an event like on an anniversary on an anniversary day one of the most difficult obstacles to overcome I believe is the basic pride mm-hmm. that people have and they say when because when somebody that doesn't when it look when I when I talk to somebody I've told the story hundreds of thousands of times sure. okay and that's not even that's not an exaggeration I've done thousand at least a thousand art shows and I tell the story 50 or 100 I tell the story probably three times a day just right now yeah. Like I work in an art store where I sell my books in the store I tell the story like every day I tell it every day and I tell mm-hmm. it on the show and I'm saying it. So when I tell this story to somebody that doesn't give a cra- really give a crap about sports, there's not really a. I mean, they might like, they might go to games, but they're just not really that into it. Yeah, they're the ones that'll sit there and be the most interested. And yeah. Like, oh my god, this is incredible. That's an incredible story, right? And they'll like process it, and it'll they'll like you can see they stuck in their head, and they're probably going to tell somebody else about it. Yeah. But when I talk to somebody that is like, you know, you know, massive sports fan, you can tell. You know, they're wearing all kinds of gear and all this different stuff. Like I'm not saying every person because there's a, there's a lot of people that are interested in it, but a lot of times you get this resistance. You can feel that it's like closed off. You can see that they're 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 checking out and they don't even want to talk to you because it it threatens this like my identity is that I'm the biggest know it all in the world of sports yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh and and I don't need to know, you know like if it didn't if if I don't know about it it probably wasn't that big of a deal mm-hmm. and that's you almost have to fight against it sometimes and it's it just it's like that's not the way it's been from the very beginning. Well, we're so fighting the fight, and we're sharing the story. And yeah, I'm, so I'm, I couldn't be happier. Willis Ward is part of the story. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he's Michigan, right? So U of M, yeah. U of M guy. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna get into Willis next time. But what I'm trying to say to finish up what I was, all right. What I'm saying with those with that concept is, is that, and I know I've mentioned this on the show before, and it's the idea that unless people, you, it's impossible to learn 
just mm-hmm. the very premise of learning, right? You, if you're not willing to, to, if you're not willing to face the fact that there's something in front of you that you did not know, if you're not willing to, like, to say, you know, like there's something I come across that I did not know or I have it incorrectly, yeah. if I'm not willing to admit it yeah. and accept it and say, well, you know what, I went with information that I knew, you know, previously. That I did, you know, or or I or I sort of uh, assumed something to be the case that was never the real the reality, and now mm-hmm. I'm faced with superior evidence or superior logic, and now I must, you know, reorient my thinking to now encompass that. That's the only way you can learn. You're not born knowing everything, and you know, it's like you're saying, I don't know nothing about nothing, but you're learning. You know, you know more about the city of champions. You're one of the short list of some of the biggest, most knowledgeable people about the city of champions season now. I got and the wardrobe for it. That's for damn. You sure, sure do. And what I'm saying <laughs> is, is that there was a point where I didn't know a single thing. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know who Eddie Tolan was. Yeah. I and that was a question. I'm like, why didn't Eddie Tolan face off against? If you're so good, why didn't he face off against Jesse Owens? Yeah, yeah. That, right. As I'm saying, like, there's you don't you're not born knowing anything, and just because mm-hmm. you, just because you are a diehard fan, you don't just absorb all necessary sports information yeah. through a, like through some some kind of a sports osmosis uh, because uh, you uh, are uh. so you know so radiant with sports fandom yeah. that you're just going to absorb it. Well, you know the, what I mean? And, the, and the, the problem with that is that people don't give the story the, the chance or the respect it deserves because of that. That's what I'm trying to say. That's one, been one of the biggest obstacles. And it, what ends up happening is people a lot of times will di- will, will look for any reasons to, to diminish the, the, yeah. the successes because they'll be like, well, that was in an age where – they had less teams, or that was in an age that was yeah. before the Super Bowl, and you're like, yeah, but the Super Bowl is just an it's just another name for the NFL championship. It's the same thing. Right, you win right, the Super right, Bowl, right. it's the name of the game. Back then, it used to be called the Ed Thorpe, Ed Thorpe Memorial Trophy Game, which what sounds better, the Super Bowl or the Ed Thorpe Memorial Trophy Game? Right, <laughs> like, right. The, and the, the first uh, the first uh, Super Bowl, it, it was just Super Bowl weekend, yeah. And so they said, oh, and the the first, you know. Playoff, the first you know Super Bowl, you know the AFC f- f- facing off against the NFC, and, you know was yeah. 1967. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I go, but the first actual NFL championship, NFL game, championship yeah. game, 32 was yeah, yeah. So, but that's what I'm saying is is that is that people that don't know anything don't know. about these eras yeah. and don't really want to aren't bothered to learn because it takes them out of their sort of comfort zone, and the comfort zone is. Post World War II, yeah. everything that happens after post World War II is a comfort zone area because it's the information is widely available. It's constantly cited on games, like yeah. they constantly refer to moments and all this. You know, like there's all kinds of remembrance videos, and people are you know there's people that are still alive that remember the events. So it's a comfort zone. But it, to to get out of your comfort zone and to look at the, the you know the the origin story, the real origin and yeah. real foundational stories of That's where the better all stories the teams, lie, I, I think they're I think they're fantastic, phenomenal stories of the Great Depression. But I'm saying like to get out of that is to is that pre World War II stories. Yeah. This is the this is the foundational era of these teams, and yeah, and you know, and that's what I'm saying is, is that it's I just uh, anybody that is listening, if this is the first time hearing or, or anything like this. Um, you know, like I say, just, you know, the open mind is that be like, if I ever write a, like a book of like a memoirs in my life, I want I've, I've always, I've thought about the title. Like I was wrong about everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> because like I look, I want to, I want to be proven wrong or, or, um, like if I engage in some kind of a debate or whatever, I mm. want to have superior logic thrown in my face because, because that's how you learn yep. is by is that's you learn because you you're 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 absorbing something you previously did not know 
and that's really that's you know that's the battle that's you know being waged you know as far as reinserting the story of the city of champions season yeah. into our collective understanding of how Detroit sports became the way that they are. All right, well, and next week we're going to visit uh, Willis Ward a little bit more. I can't wait. I'm looking forward right. to him. Cool. All right, so like, subscribe, leave a comment, all those podcast things and all the podcast places. Appreciate you. Uh, DetroitCityOfChampions.com. Uh, the book's available there and, and more information. Uh, WearingFunny.com. Merch is there and yep. on the City of Champions site, so check both of those out. And uh, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again next time. It's Detroit City of Champions, the podcast.